0: At St. Francis High School in La Cañada, California, Anybody? there's something to be said about yeah, math teacher Jim O'Connor. Substitute back for y. The question is, Three what different is different that different something? Or when you think of him, does the word love come to mind? Obviously not. He's very. Uh, for whatever reason, none of these kids would tell me what they really think of him. Oh, what's the word? Yeah, none of the boys have come in here and said, Oh god, we have hated him, you know, at times. Nobody said that. I wonder why.
1: He's uh, gonna be seeing this, right?
0: Oh yeah, oh, that's why. <laughs> Truth is, Mr. O'Connor can be a bit of a drudge. You don't know what you're doing. But the 70-year-old Vietnam vet says that's he's not here to entertain his students. It drives me crazy when people say school should be fun. I mean it's nice if it could be, but you can't make school fun. E to the K T times E to the C. And for years. Okay. The kids thought that's all there was to him, until last November, when senior Pat McGoldrick learned they didn't know the half of him. Pat was in charge of a student blood drive and had just come here to Children's Hospital Los Angeles for a meeting. He says it was weird. Whenever he told someone he went to St. Francis High School, they all said, oh, you must know Jim O'Connor. Isn't he wonderful? Wonderful? What? Like it's disbelief, really. It's almost like kind of finding this alter ego that he has. Inside the blood donor center, Pat found a plaque listing all the top blood donors at the hospital, including the record holder, Jim O'Connor. Then he learned something even more unbelievable. That whenever Mr. O'Connor isn't torturing kids with calculus, he's on a whole nother tangent. Cuddling. Sick babies. Come on, you can talk to me. Three days a week for the past 20 years, Jim has volunteered here, stepping in when parents can't to hold, feed, and comfort their children. Solo nurse Erin Schmidt says he's invaluable. They tend to calm for him. They tend to relax with him. They fall asleep with him. I just like them and relate to them somehow. Is that a smile? Jim's never been married. He has no kids of his own, but he has fallen hard for these babies. I don't want to see him alone. You can't do that. You're not a tough guy at all. I know, but don't don't tell my students. If you do the calculation... Sometimes you think you know someone, but you don't have the slightest. Sometimes you think you're learning calculus, but the real lesson is life. I've
2: always, like, respected him, um, but now it's an even a, a different degree, really, is to the point where I, where I try to emulate him. He's the epitome of a man of service.
0: What you doing? Steve Hartman, on the road, in Los Angeles.
3: Good morning, Mission View Church. You all got an extra hour of sleep. I don't know what you're complaining about, okay? You're, you should be awake. You should be vibrant and, and alive. Well, let's talk about doing good. This, uh, I like this intro because it helps set the stage for what we're going to be talking about today in the passage. Our passage is going to give us some very practical things that were to do good in very specific ways. Now, before we get to the idea of doing good and the ways that Peter is going to lay out for us, I want us to remember the context, the soil in which good deeds are going to come from. Remember last week, if you weren't here, we talked about priorities. If you were here, this is the refresher. We talked about the priorities that we are to have and those priorities built upon each other. We start by getting rid of divisive sins in our life. It's like getting all the junk food out of our house. We are getting all the the negative things out of our hearts uh, by submitting our lives to Christ. But the way that we get the good stuff in is that we take in the pure milk of God's word. That's step two. That's priority two. That we take in God's word and replace all the bad stuff with what his wisdom, his knowledge is telling us what to do. But then the passage progresses and says that we enter into, in a sense, a partnership with God, that we become priests of God, that we become servants of God, that we are doing God's bidding on a regular basis. And ultimately, the next priority is that we see ourselves being built upon the foundation of Christ means that we're going to have solid relationships, we're going to have a solid career, we're going to have a solid life because it's built and measured on Christ himself. We want to walk as Christ walked because he's our priority. But the ending priority that we talked about last week was the highest priority. And it's probably one of the most important. And that is that we understand our identity is in Christ. And Peter closes out with this verse last week. He says this, but you are a chosen race. Now think about that. There's a lot about race in the news today. He's talking about a collection of all types of nationalities that form the body of Christ. And he says, you are a chosen race. It's a new race. It's a God race. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You're not just a priest, but you are part of royalty. You are a holy nation, a set-apart people, and you are a people of my own possession." My own possession. We don't have to ask the question, do I belong? We don't have to ask the question of, can I be accepted by God? It's a done deal. When you are a child of God, you are part of his possession. You are his glory. He he loves the fact that he has redeemed us and he sees us as his children. Now, if you are wondering what that's like, if you are a parent, you know what it's like. Do you love your kids? There's times I don't, but for the most part I do. There's times their behavior could be off. Actually, I always love my kids. There's not a thing that my kid could ever do, any of my children, that would cause me to say, I don't love you anymore. That's the Father's love for us. And guess what? As a result of us belonging to Him, we get to declare the excellencies of God, and we are to be a light that shines in a dark world. That's what He says. We get to declare the excellencies of God. And so Peter's moving on and he's saying, here's how we get to proclaim the excellencies of God with our life. Here's how we get to shine as lights in a dark world. This is what you get the privilege of doing. You get to do good. You get to be a servant. Now he's going to talk about two specific ways that we get to be good. Number one, we are to do good to those that are our enemies. And number two, we are good to do good to those that are in authority over us. Now, let me just say that he didn't pick my top two ways that I want to be good. I don't, in particular, want to love my enemy. And I don't, in particular, want to submit to authorities that are over me. There's something rebellious inside of each and every one of us. But he's saying it's different with the household of God. It's different with my chosen people. What I've created you to do, I've created you to be a workman for God, to do good works. And so this is what I want to see in you. So this is what Peter's going to lay out for us. I want to pray this morning that we would really understand how we are to have this profound impact of going in a way that we may not think. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you take your word? And would you please bless it in our hearts? I pray, Father, that you would help us to understand what your Holy Spirit has to say to us today. Help us to be a people of understanding and help us to apply the things that we learn. Lord, help us to be in tune with what your Spirit has to say. Help us to listen, to be good listeners today, because I believe you want to speak. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, our outline is pretty simple. Do good to our enemies and do good to those that are in authority over us. So let's talk about doing good to our enemies. Take a look at verse 11 and 12 in chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11 and 12 says this. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable So that when they speak against you, there's opposition, as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So we tear this apart and we start with the very first word, which is significant. Beloved. It means dearly loved ones. This is going back to the identity. You belong to God. You are a dearly loved child. For those of you that wallow in failure. For those of you that sit feeling insecure or fearful, get over that. Understand, God doesn't want you to see yourself as a failure. He wants you to see yourself as beloved. My dearly loved ones. This is God the Father speaking to our hearts. He says, Dear, uh, beloved, I urge you. Now the phrase I urge you means I beg of you please. Now, please realize that though Peter is writing this, God is using him as a tool of inspiration, and he is speaking the voice of God. So what we have is God pleading with his children. Pleading with his children. So what would cause God to condescend to the level of pleading with the likes of us? What would cause him to do that? Well, there's something on his heart. He wants us to listen. And there's three things that develop in the, in the few verses after this that help us understand the plead of God. The pleading of God, he first of all wants us to know who we are. He says in the very ver- next words, he says, as sojourners and exiles. So you say, what's a sojourner and exile? Well, well Evan covered it a couple weeks ago, but let me remind you. A sojourner means this. It means to live in a place that's not your home. To live in a place that's not your home. An exile means to settle alongside of pagans. So God is describing a Christ follower's position in this world, in this life, that we have a temporary home that is alongside of people that do not know God, that are far from God, and they will see you as strange. Not weird, okay? I just want to make there's a distinction between weird and strange. The strangeness comes from your difference of values. Strangeness comes in the things that are in your behavior and in your countenance. Not weird. Strange. And so this is what he wants you to know. Who you are. Number two. He wants you to know what you are not to do. What you are not to do. He says this in the passage. To abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Now What we're not to do is to engage in our sinful desires. The word abstain means to hold yourself back from this constant temptation of engaging in lustly type of flesh. Now what Peter is doing is he's making the distinction between those that are lost and those that are saved. Because guess what? Those that are lost can do nothing but engage in fleshly desires. They could do nothing but because they have no control over it. Sin reigns in them, holds them captive. There is no other option. But due to the power of Jesus Christ by his death, his burial, and resurrection, when I repent of my sin, believe on the cross, realize what he does, what God does is he breaks the chains and he allows us to be set free. And he is all, he is. Basically saying to the dear believers, I'm pleading with you. Know who you are, but know what you're not to be about. What you're not to be about is to have this power of sin over you that has been broken in Christ. But He also is very realistic here. Yes, we have this power, but there's also a war that's waging. Take a look at the last verse, last verse and phrase in verse eight, uh, verse eleven. That which wages against your souls. This war that wages, the, which wages war against your soul. See, what he is being realistic with is that there is a battle that's going on. The word for war is from a verb that speaks of the act of carrying out a military campaign. In other words, there is a very intentional Military strategic campaign campaign that's going against you and I as a Christ follower by a demonic world. That is the implication of the war that is going on. And what happens is the demonic world will always attack us at our most vulnerable position. And in this passage, Peter identifies the weakest point. What is the weakest point? Lust. Lust is the weakest point. Lust is 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 what keeps uh, the police uh, Wilder busy in his in his force. It's what keeps corruption in our society. It is what we battle with. It is sexual lust, material lust, lust for acceptance, lust for power. Lust for status. And God, through Peter, is pleading with us not to give in to the lust. He wants us to realize this is the inten- internal battle, internal battle that we face. Now we realize that God's being realistic with us. He's not pretending that this battle doesn't exist. He's being forthright with us and saying, Dear believers, there is an all-out war against you, and the enemy will do anything he can to defeat you. This past week, a good friend of mine, John Wiseman, with Broken Chains Ministry uh, buried a success story. He buried a success story. See, he has a ministry that reaches out to ex-felons. And they come out of prison. They can't get a job. So he gives them a job at the Irving Cafe. He teaches them job skills, allows them, teaches them how to save up money. And he had a young lady that's been with him for so long. And she died this past week. And she had been doing well with her own kids as a single mom. She was doing well. She had enough money almost ready to, to have her purchase her own house. She was doing so well. But her weakest point was that she struggled with depression. And she didn't get the help that she needed in the depression that she was facing. And, and as a result, she kept taking medications that caused her to overdose. Why am I pointing this out? My friends, I want you to know the enemy, he knows our weakest point. We have articulated it. He can't read your minds, but he, we have articulated We live it out weak. He can see what we're tempted with. And he will constantly berate you. He will constantly come at you. He doesn't like you. He hates your guts. He wants to destroy you. His will is to kill, steal, and destroy every time. And my friends, this is why we need each other in the body of Christ. We cannot have a Rambo mentality that only works in Hollywood. We have to have each other. That's why this is so important. It's not an option. This is why being in community and working in community, it's not easy developing relationships, but that's why it's important. It's why we need a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Because the enemy is ruthless all the time. So you sense God pleading? He wants us to know who we are. He wants us to know what we're not to be about. But he also wants us to know what we are to do. Take a look at verse 12. He says, "I want, this is what I want you to do. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So when they speak against you as evildoers, there's opposition, They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now the key phrase here is keep your conduct. It is an ongoing tense in the word keep. It means a steady, enduring, constant implication here. Our job as a believer is to stay the course. No matter what the opposition is in our life, we are to stay the course and we are to live honorably amongst the Gentiles. Now, the word Gentile is a way of saying amongst those that are lost around us that we have made our residence with. Now, notice in the passage, Peter gives a way that the tables can be turned, that we go from the people that are our enemies to them transitioning to becoming our family. And he says three things are going to happen. Just know this. Number one, they're going to speak against you. Your relationships with people outside, the pagans you live with, is not going to start always really in a a peachy type of way. It's not going to be a clean way. It's not going to always be a friendly way. They will demean you. They will look at you and belittle you. They will speak against you. They will come against you. And what God wants is our conduct to be one of honorable amongst them. Now, sometimes as believers, we see things in society or we see that people do something to us and we resort to going to Facebook or Twitter and we start airing out our beliefs and our thoughts and things like that. Don't do that. I just got to tell you, it's not wise. It's not wise. Take those things before God, but don't be airing it out for the whole world. What God wants is that he wants our conduct, our character. It can mar the character. The enemy will take that and bring divisiveness within the body. But here's the second thing that will happen. Yeah, they'll speak against you, but what you are to do is that you are to have good deeds. It says it right in the passage. It says that we are, may they see your good deeds May they see them. Do you realize that good deeds is another way of saying being a servant? That's exactly what Jesus was. What did Jesus mean when he said, let your light shine before men so that they might see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven? What did Paul mean when he wrote in Ephesians 2.10 that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus To do good works. What did James mean in James chapter 2 when he said, You show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by what I do. See, that's what God says we are to be about as believers in Christ. So here's the riddle for you. What can stifle the critical eye of slanderous people who are filled with false accusations? The answer is an honorable, upright life. That's the answer. This is the avenue of irresistible influence. Now, does this mean that every evil person around you will come to faith in Christ? I don't believe Nero came to faith in Christ. It does mean that they will have a witness against them that they will be held accountable. Right now, we have one of our missionaries that's going through it. Uh, Etan Bar has a web ministry in Israel. He lives in Israel. Your tithe money when you give, part of it goes to support Etan's ministry. This past week I received, or past two weeks, I received a, a video summarizing an attack by a Jewish rabbi who went online to put a death threat to e- Etan. Now, I want you to watch this, but it's going to go fast. It's in, it's in Hebrew, so I want you to watch the subtitles and
4: then we'll come back. מי זרה מי גם מפורשים. תסתכלו בחלק והם אלה, השניים האלה, על פי דיני התורה, מסיתים לעבודה זרק. אבל אם הם יעיזו עוד ל- לצייץ אותם ליצנים,
1: אז כבר אני אתן להם עוד מכה. הרב יוסי מזרחי יושב לו בניו יורק. משם הוא מדליק את התלמידים שלו בניסיון לצאת ולרצוח איתן ואותי. כמה אירוני שזה קורה דווקא עכשיו, בתקופה בה יש מסביבנו כל כך הרבה רציחות בשם הדת. דתות, מבוססות על פחד וקפיאה, ומילות ההסתה של יוסי הן ההוכחה לכך.
4: כנראה שיוסי גם ניבעל, מכך שבסרטונים שלנו חשפנו את הסילופים שלו ואת חוסר הבקיאות הבסיסית שלו בתנ'ך. לדוגמה, בעוד הרב יוסי מזרחי ניסה לייחס את נבואת ישעייר בפרק זיינאל, לידת הבטולין של המשיח למלך חז בטענה שמדובר במלך צדיק ונפלא. בפועל, וכל ילד של תנ'ך בבית ספר זוכר זאת, התנ'ך בעצמו מגדיר את המלך אחז בתור אה, מלך עובד אלילים, רשח, זרי והיום, שאפילו יקריב את הילדים שלו באש לאלילים.
1: אתם מבינים? כשמישהו מעז לאמת רבנים על דבריהם, הם מסיטים לחסל אותו. אבל אנחנו מסרבים לרדת לרמה הנמוכה הזאת. אנחנו אמנם לא מתכוונים להתפשר על האמת, אבל יוסי מזרחי אנחנו בכל זאת אוהבים אותך סולחים להסתה שלך ומסרבים לשנוא אותך בחזרה אפ על פי שאנחנו ממש לא מסכימים עם המסר שלך שרי ישוע ציווה עלינו אהבו את ויבכם היתיבו עם סון אחים ברכו את מקלל לכם ויתפללו בעד הפוגעים בכם גם ישוע המשיח כל כך אוהב אותך עד כי נתן את חייו בי כדי לכפר וזה למרות הדברים שאתה אומר עליו.
4: ודרך אגב, אנחנו יהודים, ישוע יהודי, אנחנו לא מקדמים נצרות ולא הפסקנו להיות יהודים. אנחנו גם ממש לא מעוניינים שמישהו יפסיק להיות יהודי. אנחנו גם לא הולכים אחרי אף יפיור, משתחבים לפסלים, או כפי שהרבה רוצים שתאמינו, מאמינים בשלושה אלוהים שונים. אבל כנראה שיוסי ניבל מעובדה שכבר יש קרוב למיליון יהודים ברחבי העולם שכן מכירים במשיחיותו של ישוע.
1: למי שמבולבל למדעות קדומות, אנחנו בסך הכל מאמינים שישוע הוא ההבטחה לכל נבואות התנך על המשיח. כולל נבואת דניאל על כך שיבוא לפני חורבן בית המקדש השני, מה שקרה לפני אלפיים שנה. כולל נבואות ישעיהו, דוד וזכריה, על כך שידחה על ידי עמו, יסבול וימות בעבור התאנו.
4: איומים על חיינו, מרב כזה או אחר, לא יעצרו בעדינו. ולכן המשכנו וציטטנו כ-100 של רבנים נגד ישוע והברית החדשה. עליהן השבנו בלמעלה מ מחמישים סרטונים קצרצרים של כמה דקות כל אחד. אתם מוזמנים לצפות. I thought you would be interested in seeing how some of our own
3: missionaries are turning the tables and taking hatred and simply sharing the love of God. Now the ultimate goal is that they would come to faith in Christ, and that's what it says in this passage. The verse, very last verse says and that they would glorify God on the day of visitation. Who is they? They, they is the people that persecute that they would glorify God on the day of visitation. The word visitation in this context means the day in which God's mercy comes and his grace comes to visit. It is talking about the day in which the enemies of God would come and see their sin and that they would turn to a living God. It is the Saul to Paul conversion. And my friends, that kind of conversion still takes place today. Think of the person that is opposing you. Think of the person that you think is the least likely person to come to faith in Christ. That is the person that we're talking about, the person that can come by the grace of God visiting them. Now, here's my question for you. Who was faithful to show you Christ? Especially when you came to Christ at a later age, for those of you that came to Christ later. Somebody faithfully showed Christ to you. So the question is, Who will you show Christ to by your good deeds? Now we move on to the next portion, and we'll be quick about this, is doing good to authorities. Verse 13 says this, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it is to emperors as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For it is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now what Peter is doing is he's giving us another practical way that we can do good by obeying our local officials, our governing officials. Now please realize that as we look at this passage, that there, at this point, there has never been, when this is written, there has never been a set of governments that has been pure and godly and doing all the right stuff. And I would say that there has never been a government since. So for those that would have an expectation that I'll obey when there's a pure and righteous government, well, that only happened when there was a theocracy, and ever since there was a king and other political figures, there's never been a pure government. There's always going to be corruption on the highest level. There will always be scandals. There will always be discrimination. There will always be abuse of powers, and we know that today because people are catching it on the video. We know that full well. Our police officers know it full well. But please realize that there are good men and women that are serving our country. And God has established these authorities. And there's four things that we need to do in here. Word number one, submit. It says in verse 13, be subject. The word subject means to fall under command of. It's a military term that you are going to fall under the command of those that are over you. Now, what he is talking about is not just conformity of actions, but an attitude of heart. And see, what he's addressing is a problem in society then, and I think it still exists today, where we don't want to submit to those that are authorities over us. How many of you saw the video of the police officer pulling the kid out of classroom this week? So a lot of people, it was all over on every station, and a lot of people are protesting about the police officer and the violence. Well, let's, let's look at the root of the issue. What was the root of the issue? The root of the issue was a lack of submission to authority that we don't want to do, Uh, we don't want to listen to anybody else, and that is a problem within our society. And what Peter is saying is that there needs to be different with the body of Christ. We need to be in submission to authority. Now notice he gives a command to those that are in authority. He says they are to uh, punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now we're pretty familiar with the fact that authorities over us punish us for evil. If that wasn't the case, then you wouldn't put your foot on the brake when the popo's around, would you? We all do it. Please put on the brake, okay? We do it instinctively. We might not even be speeding. Put on the brake. Here we go, because there's popo, because they're a reminder of the times that we do speed, the times that we do deserve something. But it says that these officials are to do good as well. I was so encouraged a couple weeks ago... uh, Chief Wilder was representing the North Canton Police at the Character Counts, and he had a little spinny wheel and asking questions. And it was just so favorable in the community. And I want you to know that I got my own little uh, car- carabiner thing, uh, keychain holder, because I, uh, I had such an excellent answer. But uh, he was a presence in the community. Now, it says that we're to submit to them. Here's the second thing we're to do. We're to do good. And it says this in verse 15, For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now once again, the doing good is our instruction, but it's in the context of doing good to those that are in civil authorities over us, and that there is a powerful witness. My friends, we're always going to have the freedom from religion groups that are going to say we shouldn't be in a public place. We're always going to have people that are going to oppress or come against the believer. But how do we silence that? We do good. We live Christ-like in a community. Here's my challenge. My challenge is that we would change our thinking towards public servants and that we would more quickly pray for them than criticize that we would more quickly pray for them than criticize them. We do it for those that are in the armed forces. We should do it for the politician. We should do it for the police officer. We should do it for the firefighters. And here's my challenge just this week, just this week. I challenge you to go buy a Starbucks card, go buy uh, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, that's a stereotype, but go ahead. Buy a Dunkin' Donuts card or a Chipotle card or something like that. And the next time you see a fireman or a police officer this week, give it to them. If you get pulled over for a ticket, tell them thank you for the ticket. Let them know how much you appreciate and then ask them if you can pull out your wallet slowly so he doesn't shoot you. Okay, he's not gonna do that. And then open it up and pull out your Chipotle card and say, I wanna give you a bonus for doing your job. Thank you, officer. Okay. (laughs) Now, if that actually happens to you, I really need to know that because it's going to be an awesome sermon illustration. So do that. Do good to those that are in authority over us. The third thing he says is to live in freedom. We're to submit, we're to do good, but he says live in freedom. Live as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but be living as a servant of God. What's he talking about? See, what he's telling us is the source of our freedom. Friends, our freedom doesn't come from our government. It doesn't come from our government at all. Now, from a patriotic sense, we often say, I am so glad I live in the land of the free. And I would agree with that statement. And from a patriotic sense, I am so deeply appreciative of the people that put their life on the line on a regular basis. But from a theology perspective, my freedom comes from being released from my sin. And being set free, as I talked about earlier, because of the shed blood of Christ. The fact of the matter is, there are many people that are around us that are living in bondage. They are so wrapped up in bondage, even though they live in the land of the free. And they live in bondage because they cannot, they do not know the power of God. And guess what? You're the one who has the key that unlocks their handcuffs. You're the one that holds it because you're the one that holds the hope. I'm the one. And that's why we are to go. That's why we are to have a presence. That's why we are to live as freedom. We shouldn't be going around sulking and being in the dumps all the time. We are free people. We have been redeemed, just as Randy spoke earlier. It's simply giving testimony to the freedom that God has given us. And please realize, when we do that, people, you won't have to chase down people. People will chase down you because they want to know what is so different about you. What's so different about you? And the final thing that we're to do is show respect we're to submit, we're to do good, we're to live in freedom, but we show respect. He says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. In this concluding statement, the word honor is a summary theme of, the, of what our life should be about. The word honor means a respect, a value to esteem. And what we're to do is we're to esteem people around us. Yes, even that person that drives in front of you five miles per hour under the speed limit. Oh, it drives me crazy. I need, I'm preaching to me now. Steve, listen, honor, respect everyone. Honor those that are in authority over you. Honor those that are in the brotherhood, those in the body of Christ. Honor the emperor, those in authority, and fear God. See, we do it all in the context of our all of God. It comes back to our identity. He's our dad. We have respect and honor and esteem him the most. And that affects how we live our life. So, how can Mission View Church stand firm and stand out in doing good? Today I'm going to have uh, Steve, uh, Chief Wilder come on up. Come on up here, Chief. I've asked him to join us. He's from the North Canton Police Department. And I'm doing this because I want to know from him firsthand how we can make a difference in this community. So, Chief Wilder, first of all, would you welcome Chief Wilder to the stage? Thank you so much. We really appreciate you, Chief. But uh, I like I gave him a few questions. I'm going to let you just go at it. I asked Chief uh, to, to, first of all, tell us how we can have a better presence in this community. How can we help your job be a little bit easier?
2: Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? OK, good morning, everyone. I just want to clarify a couple things if I could. Before, I think this uh, is the right one. Sorry. Right this does this one work any better? Okay, there we go. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's nice to see you in this kind of setting than on the street, or uh, with one of my officers or myself stopping you. But at any rate, I think we need to clarify just a couple things. Uh, first of all, America does run on Duncan, and I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a. I'm a f- I, I, I we do have partake, a treat for you after the service. I do then. partake of uh, a Dunkin' Donut and a coffee every once in a while, and uh, so uh, I'm good with that. Uh, the other thing is I'm going to give you a business card that you can keep by your license, okay, so that if you get stopped by us, you can say thank Score! you. <laughs> yes, Yes! <laughs> you know, yes! Just slowly take your license out law, and, and just put that and leave that card there on your wallet so they can see it, because I think in my experience... Uh, uh, you mentioned uh, thank us for writing you a speeding ticket. I've had a few thank me in my time, but I, uh, I think I've had more people thank me for a warning than a, uh, receiving a citation. So uh, I think I'm three to one for warnings to, to uh, a citation. But uh, I just wanted to clarify those two things. In the uh, uh, stopping for the popo, I think that's either you're testing your headlights or your or or uh, brights or you're doing a little brake testing so when you go by us. so I think that's what people are alluding to I'm on saying. that okay. yeah. Well you gave me a question here and I won't take much more of your time. Uh, uh, Chief, how can we pre, uh, uh, how can the presence of Mission View Church help you do your job better? <clears throat> I think just keep doing what you're doing, praying for your families. Because what you do is make a difference, not only in your community, but in your church and in your families and in your occupation. And the word "justly" came out on the, one of the songs there. And again, I just think in your everyday life, just taking care of your family, uh, following your beliefs, uh, supporting our laws and our constitution—you uh, know—that that speaks uh, volumes. Because uh, what we do, you do make a difference. And someone may not always recognize that, but. Uh, someone's going to see you picking up a piece of paper somewhere. Someone's going to see you putting your arm around someone who's having a tough day. Someone's going to recognize the good that you do in your uh, work or employment and helping them get through an issue or a problem, or let alone right here through your uh, missionaries. Uh, so that's kind of that question there for you. What What's your dream for the community? What do you want to see for this North Canton community and the region? That's a tough question because there's so many things I think that we could try to say or do. But uh, I just want to always make it a safe community for anyone to live here, work here, or visit. uh, That's our ultimate goal, is to make it safe for all of you so that you can do all those things and enjoy what life brings you. And uh, that's what I think about for our community. I just want to always maintain it's a a safe place. You can walk your dog. You can go for a walk on our streets, visit our parks, ride your uh, bike on the Hoover Trail. Uh, come to your church in the morning in a safe atmosphere. Uh, I think that's what I'd like to see continue to do for our community. Good.
3: How can we pray for you, Chief?
2: That's kind of selfish, I think, for myself. Well, Uh, we're we're asking. But uh, uh, I think you could pray for the safety of our officers and their families and everybody that's in uh, law enforcement or the fire service, our military. Uh, when our military is away, our job is to protect their families while they're off serving their country. on uh, a selfish point, too, is uh, when I come into work every day, <clears throat> there's three things I try to accomplish, and it goes back to doing good. And if you'll indulge me, I learned these as a little boy when I was 10 years old in Boy Scouts. And it was do a good turn daily. And there was something in our scout oath that talked about doing God, doing a duty to God, country, and to yourself. And I've always maintained that throughout my lifetime. And when I made uh, police chief, I was appointed four years ago, I took those uh, points and I incorporated in what I do every day when I come into work. When I come into work, <clears throat> I want to do something good for my community. Every day I want to do something good for my employees. And every day I want to try to do something good for myself. So I take those three points as duty to my community, duty to my employees, my officers, dispatchers. And if I can accomplish those first two, I've had a pretty good day. And uh, if I can help a citizen out or some uh, situation, I'll do the best that I can. So if we're going to pray, I like to say pray for our officers and pray that we keep our focus, that uh, we'll always treat the public fairly, impartially, and with respect. And they'll be in accordance with our laws of our community, our county, our country. So, thank you so much, Chief. That's doing good, I hope. We're
3: going to pray for you right now. Um, I'm going to ask the elders to come up to the stage at this point, but I also want those that serve as, uh, in the fire and police. As, are there those that serve in fire and police? Could you stand right where you're at for those that serve in fire and police? Doug and Don, come on up here. Doug is a state trooper. And we're thankful that he keeps the, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna tell you where he hides his, car, his cop car, okay? But I'm just telling you he does, and, and technically he told me today they're not allowed to hide. Okay, but I know they do at times. But, uh, and Don, Don serves at, in fire protection. Um, so he works two days a week. Uh, no, actually he works 24 hour shifts um, with the department in Mansfield and he also works uh, with the Mogador fire as well.
5: Father, I want to thank you for uh, our fire and the EMS and um, ambulances, Father, those that uh, that come to our help. Uh, Father, when your people are in, uh, in danger, uh, most of all, I want to pray for, for their protection, Lord, as they put themselves in harm's way uh, to keep us safe, uh, to protect our property. Um, Father, I specifically want to pray for John Bacon and Stephen Rich and and Rick Dawson, Lord, the fire chiefs in North Canton, Canton, and Jackson. Father, pray for their leadership, Um, Father, as they lead uh, the battalion chiefs and captains and um, all the way down, Father, to the explorers. Lord, I pray that they would do it with wisdom, uh, that they would um, just love uh, those that are under them, Father, serve them uh, so that they are best enabled to serve and protect us, Father. Uh, And again, just pray... uh, every time lord that they would step uh, into danger uh, to protect one of us um, father that you would just place a, a hedge of protection around them um, and lord just want to specifically lift up don adams too father as he serves you in this area uh, for his friends out in worcester um, just pray your protection uh, over him lord
2: and lord we would pray for our country today we pray for our president we pray for our congress and father we pray that There would be some kind of unity and that they would do what's right for the people and not what's right for their their party or their uh, political preferences lord we just pray that they would be able to lead us forward we pray for our military father that you continue to watch over them especially those in afghanistan those in iraq uh, and overseeing there that you would keep them safe and help them to have a positive influence and lord we just pray for this church and our our body here, that we would be a positive influence on North Canton, Ohio, and, Father, that we would be a blessing, but, Father, North Canton would, uh, in turn, uh, just be an example of of godliness for uh, other surrounding communities and for our state as well. So we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you guys leave, I just
3: wanted to let you know that um, uh, this Wednesday, Chief, there's all this stuff on the table. We've put together a survival kit for your, uh, the all three shifts, and on Wednesday we'll be bringing down baskets, three different baskets for the different shifts, so that they can survive, and um, yeah, we just want to make sure. And <laughs> <laughs> it has beef jerky in it. It has <laughs> bread, apples, all kinds of stuff, and uh, just as a thank you. This is from Mission View to us, uh, to all of you. We want to treat you and your wife to a dinner and movie. That's for you, Doug, as well, and for Don. So let's let them know we appreciate them. Thank you.